Welcome to Tuned to Yesterday, broadcasting programs from radio's golden years. Mark LeBonier, your host for this hour of mystery. Later on, one of many famous stories from the Sherlock Holmes series, but right now it's The Falcon. From November 27, 1945, we hear the story, Murder is a Family Affair. Avoid five o'clock shadow. Use Gem Blades. Gem Razors and Gem Blades present The Adventures of the Falcon. This is a falcon. Oh, Nancy, I'm glad you called. What's on the program for tonight? <laughs> well, it sounds like an awfully dead evening, baby. But you can never tell. Tomorrow there may be morning. Once again, gem blades, the razor blades that help you avoid five o'clock shadow, bring you the adventures of the falcon. The Falcon, as you know, is Michael Waring, freelance detective, who's always ready with a hand for oppressed men and an eye for repressed women. So join him tonight when the Falcon learns murder is a family affair. It's a rainy Tuesday evening in New York, and the city streets are deserted, save for a dark red convertible which is parked at the curb. And at the wheel sits Brenda Sinclair, fondling her pet Pekingese, Wang Poo. No, 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 baby, don't be impatient. Daddy's going to need a shot, eh? Then you and Mama are going to go far, far away where nasty men can't find us. Hello, Brenda. Oh, Kenny, darling. Have you been waiting long? It seemed like years. That's just the way I felt in that hallway. Ray. Oh, hello, Sinclair. Fancy meeting you here. I thought I warned you to stay away from my wife. Brenda doesn't care about you. She hasn't for years. Ray, I'm leaving you. Really? Kenny and I are going away on a little trip. Maybe Kenny is, Brenda, but not you. Ray, put away that gun. What's the idea, Sinclair? I warned you to stay away from my wife, Kenny, but you wouldn't listen. Ray! Maybe this is the only language you can understand. Ray, don't! Oh. confined to state's penitentiary, and on the night of November 27th, you shall be electrocuted there, as provided for by state law. And may God have mercy on your soul. Killed a man in cold blood? Well, we Sinclairs never did have much luck with our women anyway. At least you'll be glad to know your brother Danny broke the jinx. Ah, good for him. Too bad I never got a chance to meet his wife. What, what do you think of her, Nancy? Gloria is all right. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Danny deserves the best. He's a good kid. One in a million. He and Gloria are waiting at my apartment. Mike, I wonder if you'd do me a great favor. You don't have to ask, Ray. I'm a little worried about Danny. I'm afraid he may go off the deep end after this. You know, he always felt that Brenda was responsible for this mess. I understand. He's just a kid, Mike. He's got screwy ideas. Will you keep an eye on him? It's a promise. Mike, what, what time is it? Almost nine. <laughs> they say the last 60 minutes are the toughest Got a cigarette? Oh, sure. Have one, Nancy. Yes, please. No, not three on a match. 
like you do. Very much. <laughs> on the radio. Where's Danny? In the living room. How's he taking it? Not so good, Mike. If he'd only yell or cry, I could understand it. But he just sits there and looks at the wall. He won't even talk to me. Shh. Hello, Danny. Hello. How's the boy? Great. Danny, I... I can't tell you. Mike... Mike, maybe Danny would like some coffee. Oh, that's a swell idea, darling. Why don't you make some? No, don't bother, Nancy. Danny, for heaven's sake, stop it. I'm sorry, Gloria. Danny, you've got to stop tormenting yourself. We know what you're going through. No, I don't think you do, Nancy. Uh, Mike, did you make all the funeral arrangements? Uh, no, you see, kid, it, it was kind of taken out of my hands. Oh, what do you mean? Your sister-in-law, Brenda, claimed the body. Oh, good old Brenda. She doesn't miss a trick, does she? I hope there were plenty of sob sisters around to catch her act. Yes, you ought to get a headline out of it. And without any effort. All right, Danny, spill it. What have you got on your mind? Murder. Danny! That's right, Gloria. I got an appointment with, the, with Brenda tonight. But I'm afraid she doesn't know about it yet. Danny, you're not being funny. I didn't intend it to be. Why don't you get wise to yourself? What? It's time you grew up. Try to be a man for a change and not a, a sniveling brat. Oh, I'm glad to find out what you think of me, Gloria. Oh, Danny, don't you see she's only telling you that for your own good? Oh, don't argue with him, Nancy. It isn't worth the effort. He'll go along all his life feeling sorry for himself, wondering why everybody picks on him. But I've seen kids at ten with more stuff than he's got. Anything else you'd care to add? No, I've said my piece, Danny. Anytime you want to go, it's perfectly all right with me. Thanks for your permission, dear. Mike, don't let him. Danny, where'd you get that gun? It's yours. I got it out of your desk drawer. Let me have it. I'm sorry, friend. No can do. Danny, I want you to give me that gun. Now, Mike, you've been swelling me, so please don't make me do something I'll be sorry for. I'll stay where you are. Are you going to give me that gun? I'll come closer next time, Mike. Danny, listen to me. I have, Gloria, and I've taken it very much to heart. So I'm just a kid making big talk, am I? Well, watch me change to a man of action. Well, now we have to worry about Danny and hope he'll realize that Brenda's not worth shooting. Well, there isn't anything I can do about that. But here's something I can do to help a lot of you who have five o'clock shadow. I can tell you that nine times out of ten men will stay face neat right around the clock by shaving the gem way. Now back to the adventures of the Falcon. minutes later, and in Mike's apartment, the Falcon and Gloria listen anxiously while Nancy makes a call. Well, Nancy? Oh, the operator couldn't give me the number, Mike. Now, how are you going to warn Brenda? I really don't see why you people are so concerned. Danny won't do anything. You're wrong, Gloria. Look, Mike, I'm married to him. I know how he reacts. Why, Danny could no more kill her than I could. Basically, he's just a sweet kid. Just a sweet kid bent on murder. Well, then... You think he meant what he said? Every word. Well, well, then why don't you do something? I'm trying to, Gloria. Now, let me think. Now, you do that, Mike, but I'm not going to sit around and wait any longer. I'm going after Dad. Gloria, come back here. Let her go, darling. It'll give her something to occupy her mind. But shouldn't we phone the police or, or something? I'd rather not. If it ever gets out that Danny's gunning for his sister-in-law, it'll make a Roman holiday for the newsboys. Well, what do you think Danny will be doing meanwhile? In case you've forgotten, darling, that boy is wired for sound. And suppose we attempt a little short-circuiting. Maybe we can still beat him to her apartment. Get your coat, baby. It's worth a try. Dog, <laughs> mm, you did miss Brenda, didn't you, baby? Hmm? Come on, let's see who it is, darling. Oh, you, De Silva. What do you want? How can I talk to you when all the time you got that lousy dog in your lap? Don't speak that way about Wang Pu. Excuse me, please. Brandy, in the last month, you borrowed close to 12 grand from me. 
You'll get your money back. Sure. But when, Brenda? Any day. As soon as they settle Ray's estate. I got news for you, darling. What are you talking about? Papa didn't leave you a cent. <laughs> How do you know? It's my business to know. He's a dirty double-crosser, and after I gave him the best years of my life. <laughs> you know, for a smart dame, Brenda, you don't use your head so good. Twelve grand don't mean so much to the silver. Now you'd like me to call him off, huh? What's the catch, De Silva? You never gave away anything in your life. No catch? Just marry me. <laughs> Are you kidding? You could do worse. Why, you fat slob, I wouldn't have you for all the gold in your teeth. For a damn who's in hockey, you're awful fussy. Don't make me laugh. Now go on, get out. You want to watch your mouth, girlie. Nobody ever talks to the silver like that. Are you threatening me, you big ape? Come on in. Hello, Brenda. Why, Sugar Plum, this is a surprise. It was awfully sweet of you to call. Isn't it sweet of me, too? Oh, Nancy, I didn't see you. Are we interrupting something? No, nothing important. Mr. De Silva was just leaving, weren't you, Fat Sir? Have your little joke. <laughs> Maybe when you think him over, it won't be so fun. <laughs> oh, there, 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 darling. Did nasty man frighten Mama's baby? Isn't she sweet, Michael? Hmm. She's pedigreed, you know. Takes after her mother, doesn't she? Yeah. What did you mean by that crack? You exactly what you girl, think I mean. Well, Nancy never liked me, Michael. You were the only one who ever understood me. Yes. Why, Sugar Plum. Oh, come now, Brenda. This is Sugar Plum, remember? He knew you when. Very funny. Well, what do you want? I don't suppose you came around to offer your condolences. No, but I came around to offer some advice. Your brother-in-law, Danny's gunning for you. Look, Mike, if that's all you've got to say, you can beat it. Little Brenda can look after herself. All right, darling, let's go. Okay. Oh, uh, Sugar Plum? Huh? Did Ray leave all his money to Danny? Why? Nothing. It just dawned on me that my brother-in-law isn't such a kid at that. He's got possibilities. The right woman could do a lot for him. Maybe the right woman could. But if I were you, I'd forget it, Brenda. Hmm. But then you're not me, dear. Because what I've forgotten, you'll never learn. Good night, you lovely people. <coughs> oh, oh, there, 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 sweetheart. Come to Mama. That's a sweet thing. Mama's little baby was so hungry, and I'm going to... All right, all right, I'm coming. Danny, darling, I'm so glad you dropped in. Nothing could keep me away. Here, let me take your coat. Never mind. Now, Danny, don't be mean to Brenda. Now that poor Ray is gone, there's just the two of us left. We've got to look out for one and... Danny. Danny, put away that gun. As soon as I finish. <laughs> You're frightening Wang Fu. What about you? Danny, you've got to believe me. It wasn't my fault. Are you quite fool? You're crazy, Danny. You're crazy. You'll never get away with it. They'll fire you like they did, Ray. I don't think so. Danny, please, please. <laughs> Mike, I'm worried. But there's no reason to be, Nancy. When I think of Danny roaming the streets with a gun, I... Well, don't you worry about Brenda. That baby can take care of herself. And don't you know her? Yes, and don't I know... <coughs> well... And just how well did you know her before she met Ray, darling? Ah, saved by the bell. Come in. Mike. Mike, did you find Danny? No, didn't you? No, I, I looked everywhere. I even went up to Brenda's apartment. Well? There was no answer. Mike, I'm scared. But there's nothing to be scared about. Oh, excuse me. Hello, Falcon? Yes? This is Johnny Gleason down at headquarters. Oh, hi, Sergeant. How's tricks? Well, uh, outside of a couple of twinges in my back, I can't complain. Say, um, Falcon, you were a friend of Ray Sinclair, weren't you? That's right. Then it might interest you to learn that murder runs in the family. What are you babbling about? Danny just knocked off his sister-in-law. No. There must be some mistake. There's no mistake. He tried to kill himself afterwards, but he lost his nerve. Listen, Gleason. 
Hold everything. I'm coming right down. Take your time, Falcon. There's no hurry. The way it looks now, your friend's going to be with us for a long, long time. I'm wrong, Danny. After you pulled the rod, your sister-in-law tried to move away from you. That's right. Whereupon you made a couple of more speeches, and then you let fly at her. What'd you do after that? I turned the gun on myself. Then you passed out? Yes, sir. Well, I think that takes care of everything. Now, if you'll just sign this... Oh, now what? Gleason, tell him to let me in. All right, George. Hello, Mike. How do you feel? Oh, all right, I guess. I want you to tell me exactly what happened. If you don't mind, Falcon, I was here first. Now, go ahead, kid. Sign it. Well, what's that? His confession. Hold it, Danny. Gleason, have you seen Charlie De Silva? You mean the loan shark? Yes. He had a fight with Brenda tonight. She was in hock to him. I heard all about it. We had him on the carpet an hour ago. How come you let him go without informing me? Look, Falcon, I was under the impression the new mayor's name was O'Dwyer. Well... Can't you give me a little time to get all the angles? Why do you want to give the kid false hopes? We know who killed the dame. He admits it. He's right, Mike. Yeah, and this is the gun you used, ain't it? Yes, sir. I took it from Mike's apartment. Let's see that. Anything to waste time. Yes, that's mine. Only when he took it, it was fully loaded. Say, wait a minute, Danny. How many shots did you fire at Brenda? One. And one at yourself, is that right? Yes. And before you left my place, you took a pot shot at me. Oh, he did, did he? Now, that's not the point, Gleason. How many shots in all does that make? Uh, don't tell me. Uh, 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 three. All right, Einstein. Look at this chamber. There are four exploded shells in there. How do you explain that? It's easy. He shot the girl twice. Did you find two slugs in her? Well, no. Then what happened to the other bullet? It went wild? No, it didn't. I only shot her once, and then I turned the gun on myself. You're lying. Use your head, Gleason. He's admitted killing her. What motive would he have to lie about that missing bullet? It must be somewhere in her room. Did any of your boys find it? What was the point of looking? And you can't have any objections if I do. Falcon, will you stop trying to complicate matters? Come on, Sergeant. Be a sport. Give me an hour to look over Brenda's apartment. If I can't find the shell by that time, I'll advise Danny to sign the confession. There'll be no more horsing around? I give you my word. Okay, here's the key. of that hour have we got left? About 20 minutes. Oh, we'll have to work a lot faster. Well, there's one sure thing. That slug isn't anywhere on this floor. No. Suppose we try to reconstruct what happened. How? I'll play Danny and you play Brenda. Oh, this ought to be fun. What do I do? Well, according to Danny's story, he was standing over by the sofa. Mm-hmm. Now, you back away from me as if you were afraid. You mean like, like this? Oh, that's perfect. I pull out the gun. Mike, put that thing away. It's all right, dear. I just want to make this as realistic as possible. Well, let's not overdo it. You don't have to point it at me. Don't haggle, Nancy. Get on with your act. Pretend you're Brenda. Now, what would you say? Um, <clears throat> um, now, you wouldn't shoot poor little me. Now, would you, sugar plum? I certainly will if you continue with that sugar plum routine. Where'd you pick that up? From Brenda. Oh. The question is, where did she pick it up? Now, darling, stick to your script. Where were we? Oh, yes. You just finished pleading for your life. And it's availed me nothing. Right, so now I shoot. Bang! Am I dead? Very. Just crumpled gracefully to the floor. Oh, that's the way. Hmm. How do I look as a corpse? Not so good. Oh, when I thought I gave a wonderful performance. No. No, something's missing. Did I leave out a sugar plum? Hey, wait a minute. I think I've got it. Sure, you know what's wrong with this picture. You didn't have... Mike. I heard it. Maybe someone's coming in here. Just stay quiet. Hello, De Silva. Huh? I said hello. Now shut the door and come in. What are you doing here? Seems one I gotta answer your questions. Might be smart if you did. See this? Oh, pour that right away, Falcon. You're not frightening anybody. Except me. Nancy, phone Sergeant Gleason. Tell him I'm taking De Silva over to my apartment. 
Ask him to bring Danny there. But, Mike, isn't that highly irregular? Highly. But then, dear, this is a most unconventional murder. You know something, Falcon? I got a hunch you're going to be very sorry about this. And I got a hunch, De Silva, you may be right. Nancy, that must be Sergeant Gleason. Will you let him in? Mm-hmm. Hello, Sergeant. Hiya, Nancy. Oh, and you brought a friend along. How nice. Hiya, Nancy. Fine. Guess he's here. What? Gloria. Gloria. Danny, darling. Oh. Now, don't ogle Gleason. It's not polite. Oh, Sergeant, I believe you know Mr. De Silva. We've met. Uh. Nancy, will you lock the door, please? Certainly. Um, what will I do with the key? Put it where no one can get it. I know just the place. Hey, don't do that. Oh, I'm sorry, Sergeant. It slipped. Very comical. I know a good one, too. Suppose I tossed you all in the clink. Relax, Gleason. I'll tell you why Nancy did that. It better be good. It is. The killer of Brenda Sinclair is in this room. You don't have to tell me. I brought him here. Well, if you did, he's not getting out alive. What are you talking about? Why do you think I had Nancy lock that door? You expect to sweat a confession out of someone? More than that, Gleason. Give me half an hour and that someone will be sweating blood. I mean, this time it'll be his own. Well, all I can say is that the Falcon's going to find it slightly grim if he doesn't make good. You know, that's one thing that never worries me when I make statements about the gem way of shaving... Jim always makes good. Now back to the adventures of the Falcon. 25 minutes have passed since Mike Waring made his promise to reveal the killer of Brenda Sinclair. And now in the Falcon's apartment. Well, how about it, folks? Anybody feel like confessing? How about you, DeSilva? They say it's good for the soul. You can go right Easy, to... easy now, fellas. Look, Falcon, a joke's a joke. But... But what? Uh, if you don't open that door... I'm sorry, Gleason. You saw Nancy lose the key. No one's leaving until the murderer confesses. But Danny killed her. Didn't you, kid? Well, I'm not so sure now. Say, what goes on here? Well, I only fired three shots out of that gun. So you did. But the chamber shows that four were fired. Maybe you'd like to know what happened to that missing bullet. Did you find it in Brenda's apartment, Falcon? No. That's what put me on the right track. You didn't, so it did. Oh, why didn't I learn a trade? Try to visualize this scene, Sergeant. Because this is what must have happened after Danny shot Brenda. We know. She killed over dead. That's just it. She wasn't dead then. That bullet didn't touch her. And the man's crazy. No one ever saw Brenda unless she was carrying about that pet Pekingese of hers. Wang Poo. The only thing she was fond of. So what? Well, that's where your missing bullet went. It hit the dog. What? That's right. And Brenda fainted from sheer fright, as anyone might. But Danny didn't know that. He turned the gun on himself. Next, our murderer enters. He sees Brenda and Danny out cold. So he takes the gun out of Danny's hand and pumps a shot into Brenda. And he exits. But not before he removes the dying dog. Why? He had to. Otherwise, it would give the whole show away. Am I right, DeSilva? How would I know that? That's right, you wouldn't. Come to think of it, you had no real motive to kill Brenda. You wanted either Brenda or the money you loaned her. Well, with her dead, you were out of luck on both counts. So if we want to find our killer, we'll have to look elsewhere for him. Mike, you said him. Then our murderer is a man. Hmm? That was a figure of speech, dear. If it happens, our killer is a woman. Isn't she, Gloria? What? That's right, she killed Brenda. What? The whole thing's crazy. I killed her. No, you only thought you did, Danny. Isn't that right, Gloria? What am I supposed to do, break down and confess? It might help if you want to get out of here. I'm in no hurry. I can stay all night. I hope your guest room is comfortable. I'm afraid you'll never live to use it. I see you've got a Band-Aid on your hand. Is that where Wang Poo nipped you when you picked him up? <laughs> Will this go on much longer? Not much. I had some of the blood on Brenda's carpet analyzed. It was dog's blood. And the vet told me that the hound had rabies. And whoever handled it was bound to get hydrophobia. Do you ever have hydrophobia, Gloria? You're not frightening me. You must have gotten that fight around 10 o'clock. That means the incubation period is almost over. Maybe a half hour more. They tell me unless you get to a doctor fast, it starts off with a burning sensation. 
By the way, Gloria, how does that hand feel? Kind of itchy? Hmm? Stop. Stop it, Mike. You're not funny. There's an awful temptation to scratch it, isn't there? Better watch out for that, darling. That spreads the infection all the faster. Cut it out. For heaven's sake, cut it out. Why, Gloria, where are you going? That door's locked, remember? Let me out of here. Let me out. I've got to get to a doctor, please. Please, let me out. Michael. Mm hmm? There wasn't any blood on Brenda's carpet. That's right. And that pooch didn't have rabies. Of course not. Was a nice touch, though, wasn't it? Oh, lovely. It just goes to prove what a terrible thing a guilty conscience can be. Yes, but I still don't understand why Gloria killed Brenda. Oh, she didn't intend to originally. She thought Danny was going to do it for her. But when he fumbled the ball, she had to do the job herself. I, I don't follow you. Well, Gloria knew the cops would grab Danny for the murder. You mean she wanted to get rid of him? That was her fondest desire. When Ray went to the chair, Danny became a rich kid. If anything happened to him... His money would go to Gloria. Natch. Could you ask for a better motive? Then when she bawled Danny out before he left... She was just trying to goad him on. <laughs> but, Mike... Now, darling, I've told you everything. Oh, no. There's one thing you forgot. What? Brenda calls you sugar plums. How do you explain that? Oh, Nancy, let's not go into that now. It's a long story. Oh, but that's the kind I like best. Come here, darling. <laughs> now, Michael, stop it. You're not going to get out of it like that. I didn't intend to, dear. You wanted to hear the story of Brendan Sugarplum. Yes. Well, what you got just then was uh, the prologue. The Falcon, on tuned to yesterday from November 27th, 1945, from the Mutual Broadcasting System. You're listening to an hour of mystery on Tuned to Yesterday. I'm your host, Mark Livonier. Up next, a famous story from the Sherlock Holmes series, one of the standout ones from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's canon of Holmes. It's The Final Problem. Orson Welles joins the cast of John Gielgud and Ralph Richardson, heard on NBC on April 17, 1955. And now, the adventures of Sherlock Holmes, with Sir John Gielgud as Sherlock Holmes, Sir Ralph Richardson as Dr. Watson, and Orson Welles as Professor Moriarty in The Final Problem. It is with a heavy heart that I come before you with the last adventure of my friend Sherlock Holmes that I shall be able to relate. I have tried in my humble way to chronicle some of our exploits together to demonstrate the singular gifts of that most remarkable of men. It lies with me now to tell you what occurred between Holmes and his arch enemy, Professor Moriarty, when at last they came face to face. It was in the spring of 1891. Good evening, Watson. Ah, oh, good evening, Holmes. Have you a cigarette for me? Holmes, it... Great heavens, man, how ill you look. Oh, I dare say I've been using myself up rather too freely of late, old friend. You've no objection if I close your window shutters? No, of course not. You're, you're not afraid of anything, are you? Well, to tell you the truth, I am, rather. Well, it's not like you, Holmes. What is it? Air guns. Air guns? What on earth do you mean? There's a new and deadly type of air gun, Watson, which has been specially designed by an old acquaintance of ours. Who? What, Professor Moriarty? It can only be he from your tone. The same. A match. Give me a match, will you, my dear fellow? Yes, of course. Oh, thank you. Is uh, Mrs. Watson at home? Oh, no, no. She, she's on a visit to an aunt. Oh, I'm good. quite alone. Good, good. That makes it easier for me to propose uh, that you should come away with me for a few days. Oh, delighted. <laughs> but where? Oh, the continent. Somewhere abroad. Huh? Abroad? Yeah. Is that whiskey in the decanter there? Yes. Now, look here, Holmes. What's all this about? There's something more serious in your manner than... Yeah, you never did quite believe in the iniquities of Moriarty, did you, Watson? You've said so more than once. <laughs> I felt you exaggerated a bit. After all, Professor Moriarty is a respectable figure in public life. Just so, and that's the very genius of the man. Even you, Watson, knowing me as you do, can't quite believe me when I tell you that he corrupts all London with his evil influence. Oh, I can't quite believe that. Oh, of course, to the world, he's still the professor, the great mathematician. 
He's respectable. But what real proof have you that he's anything else? None. Well, at least not until this last month. And even now the chain isn't quite complete. But three days more, and I shall have him, Watson. Three days more if I live to see them. You can't seriously suppose that your life's in danger, Holmes? No. Oh, you always love to be melodramatic. Melodramatic? Listen, Watson, this morning, this very morning, in those old rooms of ours in Baker Street, I saw him face to face. I spoke to him. Moriarty? Your distinguished professor. Within him, a criminal strain of the most diabolical kind. That great white dome of a forehead, those hooded eyes, and the white face pushed forward, oscillating from side to side like a snake. Oh, of course, if you believe the old heresy of physiognomy... It isn't only that, of course not. I've worked for years to follow a thousand different threads, and every one of them has led to Moriarty. He's the Napoleon of crime, Watson, the secret organizer of almost everything evil that goes undetected in this great city of ours. There he sits, motionless, like a spider in the center of its web, a web with a thousand strands, and he controls them, every one. But slowly, very slowly, my own secret plans to expose him have borne fruit. Every day my net is drawing tighter, and he knows it, Watson. He knows the danger he's in, and that was why today he came to see me. I was playing my violin, as you know I often do when I want to think, and suddenly there he was, standing in the doorway, with his white face swaying in that evil way, peering at me with his hooded eyes. Professor Moriarty, good morning to you. Mr. Sherlock Holmes, I believe. How very charmingly you play. How kind of you to say so. Mm. Won't you be seated, Professor Moriarty? I can spare you just five minutes. Singularly good of you, thank you. I will sit down. <clears throat> May I say something personal, Mr. Holmes? Certainly. I'm surprised to discover that you have rather less cranial development than one might have expected. Whereas you, on the contrary, have rather more than I had imagined, Professor. You will recollect, I am sure, however, that Beethoven's outdid us both. <laughs> however, our personal characteristics are hardly relevant to the present situation. What have you really got to say to me? Uh, well, perhaps I only suggested, of course, perhaps it is a dangerous habit to finger loaded firearms in the pocket of one's dressing gown, Mr. Holmes. Uh, evidently, you share that dangerous habit, Professor. I see that you keep your hand in the pocket of your morning coat. <laughs> Supposing we lay our pistols and our cards on the table. By all means. I was about to suggest it myself. Ah, I see you favor the Mauser type, Mr. Holmes, and without a silencer. You must permit me to present you sometime with one of these small devices of my own design. They're quite convenient in avoiding unpleasant noise, you know. How very kind of you, Professor. You must ask the hangman to deliver it to me as your last request. You evidently don't know me, Mr. Holmes. On the contrary, I think I know you better than you know yourself. The situation between us, Mr. Holmes, is becoming an impossible one. It simply cannot go on. It won't, I assure you. For these past few months, I've been working to put an end to it all at the earliest possible moment. And you have very nearly undone the careful endeavor of a lifetime, sir. Or at least have seriously threatened it. No, 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 don't move your pistol again. I'm only taking out my memorandum book. I beg your pardon. I find it recorded here that you crossed my path on the 4th of January, Holmes. On the 23rd, you incommoded me. By the middle of February, I was seriously inconvenienced by you. At the end of March, I was absolutely hampered. And now at the close of April, I find myself placed in such a position, through your continual persecution, that I'm in positive danger of losing my liberty. That was certainly the end I had in view. Then you must drop it, Mr. Holmes. You really must, you know. Not till after Monday, Professor. You know as well as I do that you've made a slip. One single tiny slip. For years, I've been aware of you, Moriarty, at the center of your organization. Forgeries, murder cases, robberies. A thousand crimes were planned by you. A hundred agents carried them out. Your subordinates were caught sometimes, but you never were. And yet, you know, you made that slip, that single tiny slip. 
And you know as well as I do that it will destroy you. In three more days, my evidence will be complete. I shall have you exposed, brought to trial, condemned, and hanged. And you can do nothing whatever to prevent it. My will is inflexible. And so is mine. Three days, do you say? And before they're out, the end will come. One or the other of us must die, sir. Quite so. The five minutes is up, Professor, and I must really ask you to excuse me. In the pleasure of our conversation, I'm afraid that I've neglected business of importance elsewhere. Very well, then. Seems a pity, Mr. Holmes, that I've done what I could. I admit that it's been an intellectual pleasure for me to see the way in which you grappled with this affair, but I tell you solemnly, Sherlock Holmes, that if you are clever enough to bring destruction on me, you may rest assured that I shall do as much to you. You have paid me several compliments during this interview, Professor. Let me pay you one in return when I say that if I were assured of the former eventuality, I would most cheerfully accept the latter. I can promise you the one, but not the other. Good day, Mr. Holmes. Oh, your pistol, Professor. You may need it before Monday. Thank you. Good day, Professor. I think goodbye is the word, Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Goodbye. So it was, you see, Watson, that singular interview with the greatest criminal of all time. And his with the greatest detective. Oh, thank you, my dear fellow. But, but what are you going to do, Holmes? I told you, we leave for the continent. Moriarty's not the man to let the grass grow under his feet. Already one or two accidents have nearly befallen me today. Upon myself? Yes. The police are gathering all my evidence against him. Everything will be complete in three short days. Meanwhile, I can only lie low. Uh, are you able to leave your practice to come with me? Well, I have an accommodating neighbor. Ah, dear Watson, I knew I could count on you. All right, then. Now, these are your instructions. Listen most carefully. Instructions, Holmes? I assure you they are most necessary. Tomorrow morning at 8.45, you will take a handsome cab. I'll arrange for one to call. No, no, you really must obey me to the letter, Watson. You'll leave the house alone tomorrow morning and take neither the first nor the second cab which presents itself at the rank. Very well, Holmes. Hand the address to the cabman written on a slip of paper and tell him not to throw it away. And I drive, I take it, to Victoria Station. On the contrary, you drive to the strand end of the Lowther Arcade. I see. And then? Have your fare ready, and the instant your cab stops, pay him and dash through the arcade, timing yourself to reach the other side at exactly a quarter past nine. Yes, but my dear Holmes... Now listen, I... man. Listen carefully. It's vital. Our lives depend upon it. When you get there, you'll find a brougham standing close to the curb, driven by a fellow with a black cloak tipped with red. Say nothing. Simply jump in, and he'll drive you to Victoria in time for the Continental Express. And where shall I meet you, Holmes? A second coach from the front of the train, a first-class carriage reserved for us. Good night, Watson. And as you value our lives, don't forget a single word of my instructions. No, 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 of course not, Holmes. Until we meet tomorrow, then. Until we meet. I was infected myself with something of his own inner excitement and sense of menace. I took the hansom and then the brougham with its massive hooded driver. I said nothing to him as I was instructed and he never spoke to me. A moment later, we were rattling to the station. There he left me and drove off without a further glance, his face still hidden. There was no sign of Holmes, and my heart sank miserably. I found our reserved carriage, but through some confusion, a decrepit old Italian priest was sitting there. The moment came for departure. Still, I waited by the window in a chill of fear. Scusa, signor, prego. Yeah, I'm sorry, Padre, I don't speak Italian. Nor do I, what? Oh, good, good. Heavens, Holmes! <laughs> no, quiet, you. quiet, man. This is no laughing matter. Not yet, anyway. There. You see? Stop! Stop the train! It's Moriarty himself. The tall man? 
He'll never do it. Stop the train, I say! Let me go, you fool! Boys, you only you! Let me go! Even the great Moriarty himself is helpless against the British railway system, Watson. Well, well, it gives us an hour's respite, at least. But how, how did he know where we were? By watching you, I expect. But I did everything you told me. Uh, wait, Holmes, the driver of the brougham. Well, what about him? He was muffled. I didn't see his face. It must have been one of Moriarty's men. My dear Watson, it was nothing of the sort. It was my brother Mycroft, shaken for once out of his armchair at the Diogenes Club. Good heavens, the thing is serious then. Of course. But at least we have an hour, and I can use it to take off this disguise and think things over. But we've escaped him altogether, surely, since the train connects with the boat. My dear fellow, you evidently don't realize even now that Moriarty is an opponent on practically the same intellectual plane as myself. Do you really imagine that if I were the pursuer, I would permit myself to be baffled by so slight an obstacle as an express train? What'll he do then? What I should do, engage a special. But it'd be too late, even then. By no means. We stop at Canterbury, don't forget. And then there's always a delay of a quarter of an hour when the train gets to Dover. Oh, my soul, you'd almost think we were the criminals to be chased like this. You mean that he'll catch us after all, then? I hope not. We shan't be there, Watson. Look, look here, Holmes. I, I hate to grumble after all this time, but really, I do think you ought to tell me what you mean. Heaven bless you for a stout and faithful friend, Watson. I'm sorry. It's only that... Well? Well, I don't want to expose you to danger, too. That's why I'm being so mysterious. It's very simple, really. We shall just get out at Canterbury. Indeed. And not go on the continent after all, I suppose. Oh, yes, we must do that. We've no choice but to hide away until after Monday, when the evidence will have been completed. You've not seen the papers this morning, I suppose. Oh, really, Holmes. What time do you think I've had for that? <laughs> One must try to make time for everything, Watson. You really should have read about Baker Street. Baker Street? Yes, they set fire to our rooms last night. Mrs. Hudson was away from home, fortunately, and no one was hurt, I'm glad to say. They thought I was there, of course. Oh, my soul, the thing's intolerable, Holmes. Yes, only till Monday, Watson, and by then we'll be in Switzerland. We'll make a cross-country journey from Canterbury and take the other boat from New Haven to Dieppe. Uh, unless, of course... What? Our friend the professor deduces what I would deduce and gets off at Canterbury himself. Ha! That would truly be a coup de maître. He surely never would. Well, I rather doubt it. There are limits even to his intelligence. No, no, I think we are safe enough, old friend. And now there's time for a pipe, I fancy. Won't you join me, Watson? And thus it befell. As we hid behind a pile of luggage at Canterbury, we saw the single carriage of the special go thundering past us. And so we made our way across country and at last reached Switzerland. It seemed we had eluded him. To fill in every detail of the final scene is hardly possible since there was no witness to it. Yet, from a certain source that I cannot yet divulge, I do know something of that last encounter. We wandered at our will through the lovely valley of the Rhone and made our way by way of Interlaken to the little township of Mirigan among the Alps. The fatal Monday came and went. And yet I was still aware of a strange febrile excitement in my companion. He was at times feverishly on the alert, then sinking into reverie and would smile strangely to himself. I went with him on that last day of all on a visit to the falls of Reichenbach, forever hallowed and yet cursed in my memory. It's a fearful place indeed, with a torrent plunging far below into a tremendous abyss, a chasm lined by coal black glistening rock High above, a pathway's been cut in the cliff face to afford a better view, but it ends abruptly in mid-air, and the traveller had to return as he came. We stood there, giddily marvelling at the great spectacle, and on the instant came a message for me by a village lad to say that an English lady back at the hotel was seriously ill, 
and needed my immediate attention. I turned to go. I looked back and I saw Holmes leaning against a rock with his arms folded, gazing down at the rush of the waters. It was the last I saw. Is that you, Watson? Back already? Well, Moriarty. Well, Sherlock Holmes. You see, I found you after all. And alone. Alone, as indeed you must be too. Now that your confederates are all under lock and key, I've mm -hmm. heard from Scotland Yard. I escaped. I was too clever for them, Holmes. I don't doubt it. But I'm afraid your occupation's gone, Professor, with your organization destroyed, unless you care to return to your mathematics. It was not my intention. I have another and more immediate intention, Sherlock Holmes. Are you prepared? Well, before we discuss that, perhaps you extend me one small courtesy, Professor. Most certainly. What is it? My friend Watson, Professor. No doubt he will be somewhat concerned uh, may I just take a moment to scribble a note to him? Certainly. We can fix the paper beneath my alpenstock there, so that it does not blow away. Pray take as long as you wish. That's very good of you. Please don't stop talking, Professor. I mastered long ago the art of writing and conversing at the same time. Thank you. You know, of course, that the message which arrived for Dr. Watson was a false one? Oh, yes, of course. I knew mm. it at once and that it could only come from one source. And yet you let him go? Yes, Professor, I let him go. I am not without some affection for him. I did not wish to put his life in danger, too. Besides... Besides? <laughs> I've looked forward for a long time to this final duel between us. I believe it, Holmes. You're a very remarkable man. In many ways. Many, many ways, sir. I'm proud to have known you. Oh, and I, you, Professor. There, my letter's done, then. Perhaps you'll be kind enough to place it, as you suggested. Right. Now, how shall it be, Moriarty? I did not bring a pistol, Holmes. Thank you. Your courtesy puts me to shame, Professor. Here is my pistol. It goes into the fall. Hand to hand? Yes. Goodbye, Professor Moriarty. Goodbye, Sherlock Holmes. When I returned to that broken pathway, it was only too clear what had happened. It needed no great application of Holmes' own methods of deduction. Two sets of footsteps to the verge, and none returning. Locked in each other's arms as they fought, they had gone down to the abyss. Only the letter, the last greeting from my friend and comrade. My dear... Dear Watson, he wrote, My dear, dear Watson, I scribble this through the courtesy of Professor Moriarty, who awaits my convenience for the final discussion of those eternal questions which lie before us. There can be but one outcome, although I fear that it is as to cost which will give pain to my friends, and especially, my dear Watson, to you. I think, however, that I may go so far as to say that I have not lived entirely in vain. Pray tell Inspector Patterson that the papers which he needs for a full conviction of the Moriarty gang are in pigeonhole M. Before leaving England, I made every disposition of my property and handed it over to my brother Mycroft. Pray give my affectionate greetings to Mrs. Watson and remember me as I used to be in our old days at Baker Street pacing to and fro with my violin and driving you to a point of sad distraction with that theme you still were good enough to say you loved. 
Believe me to be my very dear good fellow. Yours most sincerely, Sherlock Holmes. Yours most sincerely, Sherlock Holmes. And so he perished, whom I shall ever regard as the best and wisest man that I have ever known. The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, based on the original stories of the late Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, dramatized anew by John Keir Cross, stars Sir John Gilgood as Sherlock Holmes, Sir Ralph Richardson as Dr. Watson, and today, Orson Welles as Professor Moriarty. Produced by Harry Allen Towers. The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes on Tuned to Yesterday from April 17, 1955 on NBC. In terms of the chronology of stories of Holmes, that was to be the last, but due to intense pressure from his readers, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle created another story of Holmes called The Hound of the Baskervilles, which was set before that famous fight with Moriarty, and he would return by the pen of Doyle for a string of stories, beginning with The Empty House. And that wraps up this hour of mystery on Tuned to Yesterday. Be sure to be with us next time for more great programs from Radio's Past. Until our next hour together, I'm Mark Livonier. It's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm.